Welcome to Murder Most Irish, episode 11. Hello, Emma's going to tell a story in this. It's going to be shy. <laughs> she doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah, she phoned it in. I got a headache today while I was doing it. So We've all got headaches. Huh? So I was like, uh, what did she say? And who was in the thing? And what year was this? <laughs> do you I, stroke Do you know when I'm doing these stories? Do you know what the, I find the most irritating thing? Yeah. Or not irritating, the most difficult thing for me is dates. Because I'd be like, this happened, especially when it's over a period of time. I'm like, right, this happened in 2017. And then they're like, in 2020, I'm like, what the fuck happened for three years? Like, it's finding that kind of, making sure I have the correct dates. And the, so what I'm saying is this does not have a lot of date-based information. Okay, what I'm going to say is, go back and listen to last week's episode, because I said nothing about dates at the time. <laughs> do ASMR for the people. Okay. Sarah's eating Papa Dom Chris. I'm going to do ASMR. She's going to do an, ASM, an apparently ASMR. Apparently people are into this. Go. Don't do it until it's wet. Here we go. Done. I can't deal with the wet, sloppy. So judgy. I can't deal with that. This thing. Do you want me to make you a fajita? No, no, no. I'm fine. Do you want me to do anything for you? No, no. We'll Are have sure? we'll have nice view tomorrow and Saturday and Sunday when we go to Belfast. What was that again? Belfast. Oh, sorry. Are you Sean Connery? Belfast. <laughs> Belfast, how do they say it? Go. They say, Jesus. And the one said that. That's a German man saying Jesus. Um, they say, Belfast. Say Belfast. Are you going to Belfast? Are you going off a Lanyon station? Are you going to George's Market? I th- I love the Belfast accent, but I deal with the company. My work. husband hates the Belfast accent. Why? Because he's prick. There you go. Uh, there's a company I deal with in Belfast and there's one man that rings and honestly I he could be saying to me on the phone I hope your ma gets the worst case of the shits and she dies and I'm like aha yeah grant ya I'll just drop me an email about that because I don't know what the fuck he's saying to me he's got such a thick accent yeah one of the fellows at work was saying because he's from London he's never been anywhere else it's his first London yeah and he's from like he's talking about getting stabbed and stuff he's a bleeding idiot He's a moron. Is that where? In Belfast? No, in London. He's oh. from like... He's from, from London. He's like, yeah. he's stabbed. Yeah, and he's like, in it, in it. He keeps saying that all the time. And I'm like, you are a cliche and a stereotype in every <laughs> single possible... And he was like, you know what I mean? You know, I'm from London! <laughs> oh, it's going to kill us. Look at that. Look at that spike right there. Are you from London? Um, and, um... What age is he? He's, he's young. He's, he's a gossip. Only- yeah, he's a wee goss and I'm trying my best he's to take my gossin. time up because you know how I struggle with that. I know. You know how I struggle I with the nonsense. I can't. I've gotten to the age now where I just can't put up that yeah. bullshit. So, but he was... Uh, I t- t- I t- anyway, he's from London. He's never been anywhere. Does he know you have a podcast? No. Good, okay, good. Um, and um, he said... So he was asking me about the troubles. Right. And I was like, it's, it's, you know, he, he'd never heard about it. Yeah, because it's not talked about no. in English politics or English And um, he said to two of the lads in the office of Belfast, so this guy is also deeply Catholic and very open about the fact that he's this deeply Catholic. This guy from London? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, He's really open about the fact that he's deeply Catholic and he said to two of the guys who are from Belfast who live and work up there, one of them used to be in the military. Right. Um, The Protestant Catholic divide. Oh, I just God. would like to know a little bit more about it and I'd like to know how I could help you could <laughs> shut up. You're in Belfast, and then you could go and Google. 
Yeah, so I had to take him aside and be like, listen, shut up. Regardless of where we are, regardless of what country we're in, you don't Sorry. talk about religion or politics no, and work. Don't bring up. Actually, I was listening to the Mark Maron podcast today and he had iced tea on it. And it was really funny because iced tea. Iced tea. He was talking about being it. It was actually such a good interview. Really? Because he's incredibly likable and he's very smart and just a cool guy. But he was talking about being in Northern Ireland and how he didn't realise that like the IRA, but he didn't think the IRA was... Uh, I think. Like he's like oh the IRA he didn't understand that they were like a terrorist organisation oh. and that they could fuck you up and he was he's like in Belfast making jokes about the IRA Jesus. and the guy that was with him pulled him aside and was like you have to stop this because this is not it's not a joke it's incredibly serious he's like you don't know who's in the IRA and you need to stop and he yeah. was like oh fuck I didn't he's like I didn't realise yeah. you shut me talking about the IRA why? I don't know I'm afraid of him. <laughs> like my um, thing with God I don't believe in God but I'm still a bit afraid <laughs> yeah but the IRA are real they're very real yes. so I need to be afraid Um, and you should be afraid Um, yeah one of the other guys in work was telling me Um, I was actually really sad but he's he's an older he's the oldest in the station he's not old he's just the oldest older, yeah Um, and he was ta- he's looking after a, f- a friend who is like in the late bouts of dementia oh. and he was saying that in his dementia so this guy has like grown up and lived in like Belfast all of his life right he's in his 80s now so he would have been there in the height of the troubles and, okay and he's Catholic and he speaks um Irish he speaks fluent Irish um so he's really proud of his heritage yeah um and he was saying that in his dementia he's gone back to like talking about a about people being murdered and talking about people uh, not going into certain places and it's not safe in there and I don't know who you are and you're trying to keep me here oh, and you're going to shoot me because I'm a Catholic and oh, all of awful. this and he was like you don't think he said to me he was like you don't think about it he was like because we grew up and he was like but that's PTSD absolutely and he was like, and he was like these men don't talk about it no. and he was like and what's odd he was like is that my grandfather very recently went through dementia and died and he went down the exact same room. So it's basically something that they've been Because uh, he was like, harboring. we don't talk about it, we bury no, it. And he was like... Not. And especially men. And he was like, I um, grew up really close to the Falls Road and he was like, and I used to walk an hour out of my way to get to the bottom of the Falls Road to get a taxi to get to work because I couldn't go on the Falls Road because of my religion see and that's the thing I don't think people realise even now because especially we've I think we've hit the generation now like our, our, our age where there's people coming up under us that genuinely don't understand what yeah. this was yeah and like but the other part of it is like the fact that it was called the troubles yeah no we do it's like so as a country blase. we do that thing where we're like a bit of trouble I wasn't that bad ah, was I wasn't trouble. that bad it was a full blown civil war it was war. a full blown civil war and that's I was explaining to this, that guy that's from London he was kind of saying to me about Belfast because he this guy's never been outside of London. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And he was like, he was like, oh, it's so small. And I was like, well, I was, and he was like, and it's not built up. And I was like, well, you're in the middle of like what was a civil war. And I was zone. like, in terms of like development, that's kind of only really yeah. gone on in the past 20 15 to 20 they years. Were, nobody was going to come in and develop a city yeah. that could potentially be blown up. And we at were any staying, point. the hotel that we were staying at the time was right next door to the Europa. And I was like, the hotel next door is the most bombed hotel in Europe. It's insane, isn't it? Um, it's um, absolutely fucking crazy. And, but what's, that's really interesting, that thing you said where it's like that generation. Because I'm working with people who are from Belfast who are young. Yeah. And from the north who are young. Yeah. And they do not 
really understand the troubles. Really? Yeah, like... Because no one's to them. No, like, obviously it's part... Like, they understand it, but they're not... They don't have the same... Kind of... It wouldn't have the same indentation. It doesn't have the same impact. we remember the Oma bombing. We remember... Yeah. That footage is ingrained. Like, I can still see that woman in the A-line skirt. Yeah. Walking around with her hands around, up like that. Like, yeah. that image is, like, buried into my mind. Because and I remember... Because I was saying to Jim, I was like, I remember being in Dublin and the bomb scares yeah at Christmas yeah 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 and I remember being in Penny's on Henry Street yeah with my mum and my brother and a the fire alarm went off and it was a bomb threat on the building that's thing it was a real it was a real yeah thing and I remember we lost my brother oh fuck and mum was like in a panic Richie yeah Um, that was a common thing with Richie and um but yeah, I just, it's, and like we grew up with like Jerry Adams not being able to talk on TV <laughs> and not being able to hear his voice or see him. So and weird. I think it I is think I told odd... someone that a while ago and they didn't believe me. Who was I talking to about it? I was like, oh, they used to dub Jerry Adams. And they were like, what? Who was they <laughs> and they gave him like that? the weirdest accent. Yeah, like they used to dub Jerry Adams because he was seen as a terrorist. So yeah. they didn't want his voice on television. Isn't crazy. that a weird response book? Because they didn't do that with like in other bizarre. countries where they like they viewed Sheikh Guevara a terrorist in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't like But the whole that whole the, the whole BBC thing was very odd at that time as well. Like the whole mm. structure of of the British. The BBC I am the BBC <laughs> I made the BBC. Um but yeah, like the whole fucking setup of that to this day it still is. It's less now, but like mm. It's very odd. They're very, well, no, very British. Yeah, and they don't like they don't teach people about uh, Irish mm. history. Like the amount of people. Apart, I was reading an article a while ago. Um, there's an Irish guy living in in London. Actually, I'll get the name of the article I put up on Instagram. And he was talking about how he had asked any of his friends that he had made in London if they knew about the Irish famine. They didn't know about it. I at all that lady that plays the nun and Derry Girls. Yeah. I watched a great interview with her. She's awesome. She is awesome. Yeah, she's so And cool. she was, she went to college in London. Right. And she was saying that people in London that she went to college with didn't even know that they had like different currency. Yeah. And that they didn't know about the famine yeah. and they didn't know about their history they of nothing. essentially coming in and doing awful things. And she was like, and so because they don't know their history, they don't understand yeah. the importance of and they don't it. understand the 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 issue that Ireland has with the UK no they, they don't. don't that doesn't make any sense to them like yeah and, like that guy from work is very much like that like he was like well I obviously try I decided to have dinner with him one night it may have been the worst <laughs> mistake but Alan ever both of us were in Belfast both of us were there and work and no one else talked to yeah him. and he was just like I just don't understand what your what you guys' problem is with us. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, we don't necessarily have a problem with you. I was like, but like there is a sense of like what y- your country did to our country. And what their country did to a lot of countries. Yeah, and I was like, he's also Indian. What? And I was like, and that's Does he not like, know about And I was like, they came and colonized India. And slaughtered people in India. Did he not know that? He, it was as if it wasn't as bad because they somehow, he, I, I just couldn't understand where he was coming from. But that, it, as I said, it's generational as well. Yeah. Like we have. And he's never, like, he's Indian by 
uh, but he's English. He's English British. Yeah. Um, so like his parents are Indian and he is being born and bred and brown. Yeah. So, thing is I don't, and I think it's, it's important to note that I don't just, I don't hate English people. I don't hate English people because they're English. That's not, no. I don't, I don't do it and I don't get it and I think it's unnecessary. Like I I'm, also think nationalism is a load of nonsense. It's, Poison yeah. is what it is. Like I was, my parents went to England Poison. when I was yeah, to have mine. me. And yeah. um, my parents left here in a recession. To, like actually, my England. parents left here to go get free dental care in the UK. And they were <laughs> dead fucking right. <laughs> and I was born there. Yeah. Um, like it always, I, it always makes me laugh when I see people. And I still laugh to this day. People, especially men who are like, fucking England. Fuck the Brits walking around Manchester United. Yeah. And they're back and listening to British musicians. Yeah reading British, watching British television, supporting, like, just shut up. Like, it's fine that you have an issue with their political history. That's fine that you have an issue but with their political history. you can't generalise it. But you can't just be like, I hate oh. all English people because they were born in this country yeah. that did these awful things. Yeah. Like, you just can't. People are nuts. People are, everyone's, well, everyone uh, needs to calm down. Yeah. Just calm down, lads. There's a pandemic. We're all mm. stuck in our Anyway, house. getting back to my Belfast accent. Belfast. Yeah. They they kept asking me if I want to say Thundercats. Will you say Thundercats, Sarah Jane? Say Why? Thundercats. Because uh, Dublin people say Thundercats. So are like we're Thunder. Thundercats. Oh, so you, you don't pronounce the H. Uh, yeah, but I, they got really annoyed because they were like, say Thundercats for us. Say Thundercats, Sarah. And I was like, Thundercats. And they were like, that's not how you're supposed to say it, Sarah. <laughs> I was like, fuck off. That's how I say it. I was born in the United Kingdom. I don't have a Dublin accent. <laughs> I'm one of ye. I'm one of ye. Come to me, my people. Um, um, but I'm excited about going to Belfast this weekend. Yeah, no, Belfast is great. Um, it's a good it's city. It's a nice city. It's a cute city. It's, um, it's odd in some ways. I find it a a sleepy city. Like that. I don't. I can't describe it. Whenever I'm up there, I'm like, all right, nothing's, nothing's really happening. I think but, yeah, but I think it's. Yeah, no, I would have. It's nice though. It's lovely. I think Belfast. I do think, but it's because it's it's not as populated as Dublin. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And and so you go there and it has this like mentality of being a city like Dublin or like you know Cork or whatever, and there's just not that many people in it. And it's nice. It's also really classist. It's really classist. The city itself. Like Dublin is too. Dublin like you go so. from one side, of the, but it's like ridiculously obvious. It's really? not. I don't find it as obvious in Dublin, and maybe I'm blind to it. But do you yeah. mean when you go from the north side to the south side? Yeah, but like, oh, dude, it's so obvious. Do you not think it's so obvious? You'll see when we go to Belfast, and I go, I bring you from like King Street to like Zara, and it's like it becomes immediate. Oh, it's me. Like it's essentially like. Thomas Street flats being right next door to Brown Thomas. Oh, okay, okay, that's drastic then. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's like immediate. Oh. It's so odd. Belfast, we're coming for you this weekend. We're coming. We're going to eat cheese, and then I'm going to shit my guts out, and then Sarah's going to be like, "Stop eating cheese! You're going to shit your guts out!" And I won't listen to her. I will not say that. I'll say, "Hey, then, you do you. We've got two bathrooms." And I say to Flavio, "I ate cheese and I'm shitting," and he go, "Well, that's what you get for eating cheese." Yeah, that's true. He won't care. Um, I don't know what I'm going to eat, but I'm going to eat something. I'm excited. I want to get Mexican food, but not burritos. Oh, I don't know if they've got Mexican option. We'll find. I'll we'll find have one. a look. I always find nice places. I like Korean food. Oh, do they have great nice Korean restaurants up there? Drink them all. Yeah, that's the stuff. Mm. Everyone's. That sounds like someone's bones cracking. Talking about bone cracking, Sarah got her fucking back done. I went to a spinologist. I've been yelling at you for how many years now to get it done? 
Since I had Lily. Since he had Lily. Yeah. The man said to me, he like essentially repossession repositioned my pelvis. Did he just went, smack you in the face? <laughs> no. <You> stupid bitch! <laughs> I don't have time for this. <laughs> no. He was very nice. I gave him money, so no. Money please. Um and he was like, So when did you have your child? Like immediately was no. like I was like, anyone that has a baby needs to come and get their pelvis sword. He was like, it's just yeah because like the da- like that shit is your body goes through a massive trauma when you have a baby hence why I'm never doing it no I'm not doing it no babies for Emma oh Emma what <laughs> you're a fucking nightmare <laughs> my cats are going to be in, in here eating poppadoms have you got a hoover yeah I'm a hoover before I leave I'm not right? going to get it just eat it off the bed oh snuff it up I can't the only way that we'd ever do cocaine I fucking die from the cat here we'd, the only cocaine we'd ever do would be crushed up poppadoms MSG with loads of fucking MSG in them. No! Manda Benny! Arigatoni! I know we have at least two Italian listeners who have now switched off and gone to cry about people putting toppings and pizza that they don't like. Biscotto! Parmigiano! So I wonder who else we can offend today. Um, what other accents do you want me to do? I think my Italian accent is perfect. It's. Would you want to? Know, I'm going to be honest with you. Do you not want to know what your Italian accent is? <laughs> it's, no. you, it's you shouting. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally you shouting. Yeah, whatever. High pitched at the end. I don't go high pitched. Sorry to our two Italian listeners. Listen, they all sound like that to me. Shove them past up their asses. <laughs> be crying. No, I'm t- take it out, Colin. <laughs> no, do not take it out. Um, you make delicious pizza. They've done many things for the world. Pizza. Mm-hmm. Pasta. Mm-hmm. Pesto. Mm-hmm. Cheeses. Mm, what cheeses? Parmigiano. 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 What else? Stall in Belfast. It's called Al Parmesan. Sell cheese. What a man. I know. <laughs> um, and every time I walk past that, I scream, Gee, Parmesan! <laughs> Colin's going to kill me. Can, we get, can we get Italian food in Belfast? Get whatever the fuck you want. Although I'm going to say something. Go. I don't really like Italian food. Really? Yeah, actually, do you know something? You're not, like, it wouldn't be uh, something that you'd ever really be... I don't find their um, ingredients strong. And I like a strong, yeah, punchy ingredient. I like... We went to that place in um, Brighton. It was lovely, wasn't it? Remember that little Italian place that was a house that they converted into a restaurant? Was that Italian? Yeah. And we got... That's uh, they got steak. We got tiramisu. Oh, yeah, the tiramisu was good there. That Italian we went to in Vienna. Oh, fuck. That was beautiful. Actually, I'm going to tell you, I love lasagna. Lasagna is like my... If I was on death row, that's the meal I'd ask for. love lasagna. My mum's lasagna is is my favourite thing in the world. I bet Italians would fucking hate it. It's actually very close to Italian lasagna. She doesn't make like fucking Irish lasagna. One of the girls I work with today, guess what she had for lunch? Lasagna? Coddle. Ew! She went to me. Do you like coddle? I said no. no. Not. It's not 1942. There and isn't a war The happening. black cantans are outside the door. I don't need to boil. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't 
can't see, but I did a black and tan motion. I did a slap the tie and sing the song. What's the black and tan song? I can't remember. That <laughs> was, didn't that go to like number one or something a yeah, while ago? Yeah, because of uh, Alan, no, not Alan. What's the fucking... <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, this is the fucking What's mess. the, um, what's the fella? Alan Carr. What's Alan Carr do? No, not Alan Carr. He's a comedian. <laughs> what are you talking about? Alan who? The fella. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Alan Partridge. Alan Partridge. In that episode of Alan Partridge where he played the Irish fella. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. he sang yeah. the Black and Tan song. But then that, that went to number one recently, though. Yeah, it was only recently he did it because it was on the BBC. Because um, I saw somebody put it up on Instagram. They're trying to get it to Last Christmas to number one. Fucking idiots. I, I don't know what the song is. It's good. I've no idea. I don't know what the Black and Tan song is. Talk. I know what the um. Keep talking. I, will I sing my favorite trad song? Your favorite what? Trad song. Yeah, go on. The Euro cycles, Euro baby prices can't be bet. We're on the long on my road, South William Street. <laughs> what a tune! What a tune! They're not on the long mile road anymore. The Euro cycles, Euro baby prices can't be bet. Come out, you black and tans. Come, come out, you black and tans. Fight <laughs> me like a man. <laughs> Cannibal! <laughs> no! <laughs> Irish trad music is the worst. That's it. Fabulous. Um, it's rousing though. People get roused by trad music. Yeah, but I think Americans come here and think we all li- listen to it. Yeah, no. They, I think they do think that, but we don't. Americans, we don't listen to trad music. Very few people. Very few people. If you're in a pub and... Uh, Someone pulls out a banjo. Pulls out a banjo and then I leave. Well, usually I go, woo, and then I leave. I leave immediately. Usually I go, yo, 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 yo,
But she was. I wasn't. <laughs> At any point, I was not lying down. Give me some of that. What? Oh, cake? Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's my, I'm on holidays. She's on a period. I'm and a we're period, going on holidays. And we're going on holidays. We're, we're going to Belfast. Calm down. I mean. Here, I was saying, not Italian that I had in Vienna. Mm. Delish. That was good. Yeah. And they were so nice. They were super nice. Because mm. they weren't from Vienna. Oh. Yeah, whatever I said. So I don't think we have any Viennese listeners in our pack. Okay. Um, we've got to do housekeeping. Housekeeping. Yeah. I want to say thanks to the lady that sent you a message saying that she says cunt now. Oh my God, it's so funny. Because of us. She messaged the lady from America. She's lovely. Um, and she told me, obviously during the pandemic, she's stuck in the house with her husband and her kids. <laughs> she just keeps saying cunt. And her husband <laughs> is like, why are you saying cunt? And it's because of us! It's because of me. And I think if there's one thing we've done for this world, <laughs> I think if there's one thing I want written on my headstone, is that I brought the word cunt back. We brought it back. We're bringing the word cunt back. Because it's a fucking great word. Yeah, I like Hannah Gadsby's uh, explanation of the word cunt. It's great. It's just a golfer. Um, I like cunt because we use it as a verb and a noun and an adjective. We use it as everything. I love saying cunt in something. Cunt in fucking shoes. That's like my favourite thing. I don't usually say oh, the I cunt do. in this or the cunt oh, in that. My usual thing is me and Emma were in Brooklyn last Brooklyn. year. We were in Brooklyn. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. Last year in Brooklyn in a bagel shop very early in the morning. Bagelsmith. Fucking amazing. If you're ever yeah. in Brooklyn, we won't ever be in Brooklyn again. But if you're ever in Brooklyn, go to Bagelsmith. Yeah, go to Bagelsmith or do yourself a favour. Get yourself a tub of Philadelphia cheese. <laughs> so, <laughs> streaky rashers and some good scallions. And a chive. And mix a chive. Up. Mix it all up together and put it on a bagel and have heartburn for about a month. Yeah, it'll be worth well it. worth it. Um, but yeah, we were in there one morning and I, Emma said something about somebody and you know, I said, you know what I don't like about them? And she said, what? And I said, they're a cunt. And everyone in the shop visibly moved <laughs> away from them. Like, everyone was like, horrified Tell, prove me wrong Americans any Americans listening to this but I feel like cunt is a word that we use like a greeting but Americans don't use that word yeah and when they do use it it's seen as like the a worst word, the worst word don't you, you get like say. isn't your movie immediately 18 so it's like, like R R rated which R-rated. means basically like there's cinemas that won't play it so because you said the word cunt because you said the word cunt yeah so I know I know from like America, I've seen Americans say before that, that word is like, whoa, you don't say that word. Whereas we literally. Well, last week's episode was called 84 Cunts. Yeah. Like, Colin called call me, call me a cunt this morning and I laugh. Because, like, <laughs> that's just, it's literally just like. I think if Graham called me a cunt, I'd slap him in the face. Would you? No. Probably. Just call him a cunt back. I think because Graham doesn't curse. Yeah, he doesn't. Graham doesn't curse or swear. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the people of this podcast must think <laughs> he is like a an abused man. He said to me today, he said, bitch, people pod- listen to the podcast or f- uh, sor- feel sorry for He'd me. He'd love that. He'd love that. No one feels sorry for you, Graham. Yeah, he said that he, he thinks they do. You're fine. Get over it. Yeah. Make me a cup of tea. Oh, I'd love a cup of tea. When I come home, you better be fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> Chips don't bounce, Grandma. <laughs> Chips don't bounce. <laughs> Remember that movie? I know. The Family. I Jesus. only watched that a while ago, actually. And the whole time I was like, why am I watching this? I have depression. Why were you watching it? I don't know. Sometimes when I'm like really depressed, I watch really like... You know what I do? You know how I know I'm getting into a really bad press of it? So I said, I watch This Is England. <gasps> I get this urge to watch This Is England. I And not just the movie. Watch. All the fucking TV oh, seasons as no. well. And I'm like, oh, here we go. This For is me, bad. if I'm in a really bad place, 
I watch like the worst TV. But is it like garbage? Yeah. Shitty. Mind numbing. Like, like the girls. I watched the girls show and I was really depressed. Yeah, you were. Yeah. And the last time you watched that show about those rich people in America in the, the school. Got the girls. You watched that when you were depressed. XOXO. Well. XOXO. XO, XO, you watched Gosh, that. Girl. Yeah, so I watched uh, Girls in like, I would want to say like two, three weeks. Yeah, you watched all seasons. I right? watched every single episode and season of Girls and became obsessed with it. Yeah. Probably why I'm obsessed with Adam Driver yeah. now. But like unhealthily obsessed with it and was clearly depressed. Aww. Um, And then uh, that XOXO thing, or Gossip Girl was fucking years ago now. I know, but you were going through a bad time then, I remember as well. Yeah. It's like um Ben and Parks and Rex, and he's depressed, and he's making the stop motion. Yeah, yeah. No, a depressed person yeah. did this. <laughs> that's us when we're depressed, we're watching yeah, television shows. This is England is a whole other level of oh, like... Oh, that's what I also watch. Oh, my nose. There's these. <laughs> One of the most harrowing and upsetting things I ever listened to was the Dead Man Shield. Dead, Dead Man Shields by... <laughs> Shane Meadows. Oh. Everything he makes. Uh, I had to stop watching his most recent show. The Virtues? Mm. Yeah, I stopped it because I couldn't deal with it. Because I read the, the uh, I interview read the that he gave and... about it. Oh, what had happened to him? <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> and I just couldn't watch the show. It just it just became too... Real. Too real to be like... I just couldn't do it. Whenever I think I struggle with Shane Meadows, and I've said this before, but I struggle with This Is England, especially the seasons and not the movie. Yeah. Because that's literally my childhood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things like just the... There was one episode that I was watching and I was like, Christ, it just has this weird poverty but not poverty thing. Yeah, it is poverty. I mean? But it's... Let's see, get... <coughs> I'm actually ruining this right now, I'm sorry. Um... When you see like where they live and the like really dingy kitchens and yeah all their like little things like all their chips cups are chipped and nothing matches yeah. and like there's nothing wrong with that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but it is a sign of like it, it, people that aren't able to afford things yeah and that's how like that's how I grow up you know what I mean and it's like whenever I watch it I'm like oh fuck it, and it's still I still watch it and I still sob like I can't deal with it yeah no it is really it's a hurt for me I find it re- like I think it's a, it's one of the best things I've ever seen and also one of the most difficult things oh it is incredible because it just like there are things that it deals with that genuinely directly affected me yeah Um, and I've genuine direct you know dealings with and then just it's so close to like it's so close to Ballyferma in the 90s yeah 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 it's crazy yeah. how close it is to Bally yeah. in the 90s. And I mean, all social housing is based on, an, in Ireland, it's all based on based an on English yeah, program. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why. But yeah, that I that thing of like, yeah, just like constantly being worried about money. That feeling is the worst. And we both have anxiety about money. When we, I have money, my anxiety is worse. It's worse. And it is the most bizarre thing yeah. because the day before I the night before I get paid yeah I can't sleep I can't I am pa- there is a panic in yeah. me and I don't know what it is I don't know where it comes from I'm still trying to figure out what it's about but it's literally like oh my god I'm gonna have money yeah. and I can't my thing is always um my worry isn't that I'm gonna have my have money my worry is always that it's not going to be there oh really yeah because there were so many times as a kid that there was like a promise of money or that there was a promise Something that was meant this to happen. was the this was the thing that we were gonna like make it. Yeah. That yeah this yeah, was like yeah, when we were yeah. gonna get it. And I my mum did a thing that I think 
in her head, she thought it was like to my benefit. Um, but it wasn't to my benefit. What she did was made me like hyper aware of money. Yep. Before I needed to be. So we my mum yeah. used to do this thing where we would pay our bills in the post office. Yeah. Um, and we would pay them by the week. And we would pay our bills in the post office and then we would go to the ESB shop and pay for our appliances by the week. Right. Um, and she used to write out the budget. Okay. And I would be like involved in the budget. Yeah, your child shouldn't have been involved. And in. I would be involved in like going, like, so if she was working, I would go to the post office and pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah And I'd yeah. be like, okay, so it's 18 euro off this and 20 yeah. pound, 20 pound off this and 20, and, and then... It just made me, like, so aware of money. Yeah. Like, and, like, at a, an age where we shouldn't have been at yeah. all aware of money, like. And so, I know, because even then what ended up happening is that as it, it became an excuse as well for my mum that I was then aware of how much things cost. Yeah. So, therefore, I shouldn't ask, ask for, for things. And I, I was only saying to one of my sisters a while ago, I, I still do this thing where I don't ask for anything for yeah. Christmas. I, my mother always goes to me, what's wrong for Christmas? I'm like, I don't want anything. Please don't get me anything. Because when I was growing up, I was so hyper aware of how much things cost and the stress money caused my mother that I never asked for anything for Christmas. Yeah. Like I I didn't have a list. I didn't have, I was just like, I don't want anything. Because, and even now when people ask me what I want, I feel this weird panic come on me that I'm like, oh, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. And it's bizarre that it's still I did, no, I have to say, I, I stopped asking. There was one year... It was my first year in secondary school and I asked for, I didn't ask for it. They just knew I wanted it. Um, like video recorder. Like to record. Like record a handheld things. video oh, hand recorder. recorder. Yeah. And I, they gave it to me on Christmas Eve. Oh. And who was in the house? I think Leslie might have been in the house. Someone was in the house with me and I cried my heart out Aww, when they gave it to me. Oh, Sarah. And I cried because I knew they couldn't afford it. That's it. The guilt. And I cried because I knew they were paying for it by the week yeah. at ESP. The immediate guilt of being like... Um, oh, and I cried as well because I was like, absolutely, I love this like, I love this and you got it for me. But I felt so bad yeah. that they had put themselves I in liter- debt. I totally understand that feeling. Like, I think it, that is the thing as well. I don't think a lot of people talk about it as they get older. It's like, growing up in in poverty is what it is. Mm. Um, or a borderline. Or borderline. It deeply affects you when you get older. Uh-huh. Like it deeply affects choices you make. Yeah. It deeply affects how you Graham make money. Graham is completely different about money. Really? Yeah, completely different about money. And not because his parents didn't struggle, but his parents hid, hid that it. For th- hid from it them. from him. Yeah, it and did enough. like a great job of it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I feel because I know my mom was genuinely try. Like she thought that that was the best thing she could do. Of course, for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she thought that I would have an understanding of money, yeah. and then I would be better with it. And I, yeah, I think yeah. um that's why she. It made me mad because she didn't do it with my brother. See, that's the thing. The onus was put on you. Yeah, no, the onus so was put on me. So that's like a whole, Jesus, we're pulling our families apart here. Yeah. Anyway. Cunts! <laughs> Don't stop having children. There's enough fucking shit in the world. Stop bringing babies into it, lads. Anyway, no more babies. Do you want to tell your story? Yeah, do we have any more housekeeping? Housekeeping? Housekeeping. You wanted to say something else. I can't remember what it was now. Oh, there was that lady that said she grew up in Ballyferma and she thinks... Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for that message, actually. Yeah. It made, me, made us smile today. Tell uh, uh, the people what I wrote back to you. Um, Emma was her name. I can't remember what she wrote back to me. Fennel. Fennel. Don't, Fennel. Fennel. Don't give her a full name. She might not want her full name on the podcast. Finale. <laughs> She's Italian. She's Italian and she makes a great parmesan. the parmesan. Up and Sarah said Ballyfermot is the bleeding bomb diggity salty earth those people. Salty which is what like everybody love what Ballyfermot people love saying about themselves. 
Someone got shot inside. Salt to the earth. <laughs> or they do this thing. Someone, they tried is... to hack off his head with a, ha- with a fucking salt. Salt to the earth. This is my favourite thing Valley Farm people do. You ready? Go. It'll be in the news. Someone will have gotten shot. Someone got shot really recently uh, in Crawford Green. Oh, yeah, yeah, away. yeah, yeah. And uh, I sent like a screenshot to like my mum. And she wrote back and was like, we're not all bad. <laughs> But it is it's like it's, it's like it happened. Deal with it. It's like yeah. people think it's just like this immediate attack on them. Yeah, they're not shooting anybody. So don't. But worry do you remember about it. um well uh your ex boyfriend's mum when yeah. that kid got shot in Bali yeah. and she was like, why are they up here interviewing and people? Sky News were in Bali because a child he got was shot. Six. He got shot in the neck and he was and paralyzed. Was paralyzed. Um and uh, Sky News were in the estate yeah. and that person's mother was like, what are they doing yeah, over they here? They shouldn't be interviewing people in Bali Farm are angry. <laughs> are they? Aren't they? They're shooting six-year-olds. <laughs> Literally. In the neck. A person from Ballyfermot, because it was yeah. a person from Ballyfermot. Shot a child. Shot that child in the neck. Still paralysed? Abs- paralysed. It goes to school in the local oh. area. His parents, his mother sleeps in the living room of their house with him because he is in a hospital bed. God, look. Anyway, stop ch- having children and stop shooting them. There we go. Yeah, Ballyer. Ballyer. It's a great space on earth. Everywhere we go, everywhere we go, people always ask us, people always ask us, and then you don't get the job. Change it, don't say Bally Furman, you have to put like... I used to put my CV Clondalkin. Clondalkin, yeah. I live in Clondalkin. But like, you know, there's posts that comes to my job that says Clondalkin on it. Yeah, I... And your address, whenever I'm ordering food in your house... It says Clondalkin. It says Clondalkin and not Ballyfermot. Nice. The last you yeah. tell. And, um... Because I ordered food in your house one day and I was like, what the fuck is this saying Clondalkin? It's, it's weird. It's, oh, and it's I ordered the cupcakes to your house as well. The girl was like, that's in Clondalkin. I was like, no, it's not. It's in Ballyfermot. Listen, you want to give me an extra 10 grand for me gaff if it's in Clondalkin? Yep. Money, please. Okay, we better get into this uh, actual thing that the podcast is about. What's up, Murder. I was talking. This is about a baby, an attempted murder, but it's a horrific story. Hang on, this is more most Irish. This is whatever I say it is. What's happening here now? Fuck off, Graham. There we right. go. Murder, most Irish. Right. Attempted murder. How close I am to you now? What a, the attempted murder. I got very close to him. I said. <laughs> I said. Got very close to him. <laughs> <laughs> Call that I know we're going to have to call that out. Give Colin 10 seconds because he'd be like, here I am, 10 seconds. Stop opening the door! <laughs> I got a fart as well, so I'll have to cut this out. Oh no, I didn't make a noise. Okay, so the story I'm doing today is an attempted murder, but also it's another story about how fucked up the mental health system in Ireland is oh, and how we need to do something it's about a it. Quarantine. Yeah. So this is a story. Uh, it's the attempted murder of Stephanie Ng. I think I'm pronouncing her name right because there's a song. Is she Asian? Called Anna Ng. She's Malaysian by, uh, what's called that band that I can't, we might be giants. <clears throat> and it's called Anna Ng. So I think it's Stephanie Ng. And I got my information from this from the Irish Independent, the RTE News, Reddit and this fucking amazing article in the Irish Times by a guy called Connor Gallagher it's so good when I put the podcast up I'll link to it like I can't it's just such a great article it's so well written so I took a lot of information from that because this is a really in-depth and um, the Irish Times and he actually interviewed the person who perpetrated the attempt to murder he interviewed this person's mother and it's fucking harrowing and it's so good I'll put a link up to it it's 
it's excellent. And I found his Twitter account actually and I read tweets that he made about it as well. It's it's a fucked up situation because in one way you can look at it as there's two victims in this story. But anyway, I'll get on to it. So um, December 23rd, 2017 at 3.30pm, Stephanie Ng. When was it? Sorry. What? What uh, year date? 2017. <laughs> December 23rd. Fuck off, Sarah. At 3.30pm, Stephanie Ng awoke. At what time? <laughs> You're a bitch. I'll stop now. I'm, I'm going to start again. December 23rd, 2017 at 3.30pm, Stephanie Ng awoke. She was laying on the promenade at the seafront Queen's Road, Dunleary County, Dublin. Stephanie awoke from what she called a comfortable dream until she looked down and realised the flesh in her hand had been slashed open and she was laying in a pool of her own blood. <clears throat> Stephanie tried to cry out for help, but no sound came. She somehow managed to walk to higher ground, covered in her own blood, and flagged the attention of a passerby. The stranger ran to Stephanie and tried to stop the bleeding whilst waiting for the guardian and paramedics to arrive. God. Stephanie still could not speak, and it was only when she lifted her hand to her neck that she realised her throat had been slit. Oh my God. This is a fucked up story. Have goosebumps. Yeah, it's fucked up. Imagine being that purr. I know. Like, imagine waking up. And just, the other side of it is she was in so much shock she didn't even realise her fucking throat had been slit. She didn't know what happened. She had the clue. She literally had the clue. I've seen a man down the road get his throat slit. Oh, you know when in movies when they mm. do that thing where you know they're gonna slit their throat, I immediately close my eyes because yeah. I was watching uh, Ozark. I was the guy who gets his clothes, his throat slit in Ozark, and I literally had to fast forward. I like can't deal with it. It's like I the never worst. forget it. It's grain in my army. The guy's dead now. He didn't die, but because of it, but yeah, his throat slit in front it's of us. Fucking crazy. What the, why were we going to do the shop? And my mum was like, "Bally Firma, go to jail." Mm. Jesus, go to jail. Um, so. Weeks weeks earlier to this, Stephanie Ng downloaded the social media app Whispers. I've never heard of this app before. Whispers is an app which allows users to create an account and speak to others completely anonymously. So you download um, uh, this app, the person downloads the app and then you just send messages back and forth. I'm just going to say one thing, lads. GeoCities doesn't exist anymore (laughs) for a reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. We already know (laughs) that that type of thing it's bad it's a bad thing there's this other Knock it on the head. app it's called Curious Cat I know oh. about this one Listen, that, the name my, of it alone yeah, my, I think my youngest sister had it when she was a teenager and she what? deleted it yeah she deleted it because people were like being absolutely horrific on it like sending death threats and telling like secrets about other people and it's completely anonymous so you don't know who's doing it's it it's still available I don't, I don't know no idea but anyway, I remember having it uh so she downloaded this app. Stephanie was 25 when she downloaded the app and began speaking to a 19-year-old boy. Stephanie was using the app to meet new people and maybe find some new friends. Stephanie, smartly, asked the 19-year-old boy to send her a specific picture of himself, either like touching his nose or giving a thumbs up. Like she wanted a picture, but she was like, I want you to do this in the picture. So, so she could be catfish. sure she was, that the boy was really who he was saying and he was a catfish. So he did that. So she began speaking to the boy. Um, did she know he was 19? She was like aware he was 19. She was 25 like and she wasn't trying to have, have a relationship. She just was like trying to talk to people. Like she had no interest in I kind of being I don't want to talk to a 19 year old. I know. Um, so they started speaking jokes back and forth having the bants until he began becoming sexual towards oh, her. God. He suggested they try a threesome to which Stephanie said no. She then told him she was not on the app for that reason just to make friends. She had no interest in a sexual relationship whatsoever. The boy began to tell Stephanie about his depression and how he had suicidal ideation. Conor Gallagher mentions in this amazing article in the Irish Times that the boy wrote to Stephanie that he could not develop relationships with girls that, quote, it's like being a psychopath. You just don't feel it. Then telling Stephanie 
uh, with her, he was feeling it for the first time. So they decided to meet on December 23rd for a walk around Dunleary. The boy told Stephanie he wanted to bring her to a secret spot. Oh no. Stephanie joke, joked, you sound like you want to murder me. To which the boy replied, I don't think I could ever murder you. Jesus Christ. So the boy, whom Stephanie believed was a 19-year-old, was in fact a 15-year-old. The boy, who cannot be named because he was a minor at the time, had downloaded the app um, just as Stephanie had, but for very different reasons. Name him! Name him! Name oh him! God, he's still underage. Uh, he had downloaded in the hopes of finding someone, anyone, that he could murder. The day the boy went to meet Stephanie... Like, specifically, was yes. like, I'm yeah. downloading this to murder somebody. Mm-hmm. So the day the boy went to meet Stephanie was the first day he had been out of his home in months. His concerned parents tracked his iPhone as he walked around on Leary, hoping he was safe and also hoping anyone who came into contact with him remained safe also. So they had obviously put a tracker thing on his phone. So they were like, right, you can go out, but we're going to like track where you're going. So he did, I don't, I, to be honest with you, they didn't say if he knew that he was being tracked on the phone, but like, you know, the way you can do fine with that, find my iPhone thing, but you can okay, track people. So they were I have tra- a problem with that statement. Why? Because putting a tracker on your kid's phone doesn't ensure that they're going to not hurt but somebody. But there's a reason for it. I'll tell you in a little while why they let him out. Um, but they just put the tracker on the phone just to make sure he wasn't going where he said, because he told them he was going to meet friends in Dunleary. So they were just checking he didn't kind of go outside to Dunleary or do whatever. Um, so little did his parents know that as they watched their son walk around their small town through a blip on a phone screen, they had inadvertently watched him slit the throat of a 25 year old woman and then walk away. The boy's parents had been through a living nightmare since their son was in primary school. Their son was suffering from severe mental health problems, which began with him drawing violent images as a child and led to a suicide attempt at the age of 11. Sorry to throw himself out a window at 11 years old. His mental health began to deteriorate even further when he began secondary school, with him attempting suicide again age 15. The boy's depression began to turn to hallucinations, violent hallucinations where he imagined himself killing other people. The boy told his mother after his suicide attempt at age 15 that he didn't want to stay alive because if he did, he would most definitely end up murdering another human being. Mm. The boy's mother told Connor Gallagher that in October 2017, she took her son to a HSC inpatient facility in Cherry Orchard. She was ultimately told they had no beds available, saying, quote, we knew there was nowhere else for us to go. She says in the article like she sat in the car with him and cried for like an hour because nobody would help them. The boy's mother struggled to find adequate help for her son and she watched him become sicker before her eyes. So then after that, they attended the Luciana Clinic in County Wicklow. It was here that a doctor prescribed the boy Prozac. Prozac? Prozac for depression? Is, yeah, Prozac is an anti-anxiety and anti-anxiety medication. So it seemed odd they were prescribing this to a child who's having violent hallucinations and has attempted suicide before twice before the age of he 16. He needs anti-psychotics. Yeah. The boy's parents were so afraid for his safety that they began to monitor him 24-7, even oh, taking turns parents. sleeping with him. So they made him sleep downstairs and they would sleep at the bottom of the couch while he slept on the couch just so they could check on him. One month before the attack on Stephanie Ng, the boy tried to kill himself again, saying once again that he had to die so he didn't kill somebody else. The doctors began to increase his Prozac dosage and by December he was, according to the boy's mother, on one and a half times the recommended adult dose. So they just kept pumping Prozac into him. Why? His mother said, even though the medication was increased, he was, quote, getting constant intrusive violent thoughts. So nothing was changing. Um, It was in December that the boy's parents noticed a marked difference in him. He seemed to rapidly improve. So this is why they decided to let him out of the house, because he 
just kind of started to go up a little bit. However, unbeknownst to his mother and father, this was due to the fact that the boy had downloaded the Whispers app. It seems the boy had finally found a way to carry out what he didn't want to, but felt like he had to, which was to take a life. It was because of this uplift in the boy's mood and behaviour that his parents let him leave the house on that December evening. They tracked his phone, completely unaware, unaware that he went to little and purchased a knife. They tracked him to the a area knife where... And noodles. Yeah, he bought... Of course he bought knives and noodles. He bought a pack of knives and noodles. Or like the single oh, steak okay. knives and stuff. Um, they tracked him to the area where he met Stephanie at the entrance of Daenerys Shopping Centre, where I used to work. What, what? I'm just... They tracked his phone as he walked Stephanie to a derelict house on York Road where the boy tried to get Stephanie to go inside and she said no. Stephanie then suggested they walk to the water's edge and the boy suggested they take a selfie. As they went to take the picture, the boy grabbed Stephanie in a headlock. He then then began to choke Stephanie to unconsciousness as she begged him to stop and he just whispered, be quiet. The boy had cut a 10 centimeter knife wound across Stephanie's throat after she'd passed out. So he choked her to unconsciousness. She passed out and then he cut a 10 centimeter deep wound into her neck. The cut was so deep it had damaged her voice box. Her hand was slashed open and she tried to defend herself as she tried to defend herself. And according to Connor's article, the boy had tried to cut one of his initials into her fingers. A Garda who arrived to the scene would say later that the wound, quote, looked as if someone tried to cut her head off, but got interrupted halfway through. So he was literally like trying to take her head off. Um, as the passerby who had found Stephanie continued to try to stop her bleeding and his ambulance crew tried to save her life and get her to hospital, the boy walked to Dunleary Shopping Centre, entered the men's toilets, washed his hands. He then walked home. He had thrown the knife into the sea. So he just casually went home. His parents had no idea when he was got he home. he covered in blood? He just had it in his hands and he had um, a hoodie on. So he just took the hoodie off. Mm. So Stephanie obviously was brought to hospital. They worked on her. They had to put her into an induced coma because the poor girl was in so much pain and it was so damaged was so bad. So on Christmas Eve, Stephanie regained consciousness and was able to show the guardie the whisper app on her phone and the boy who attacked her. So she had pictures of him. She had texts they had sent back and forth. So they were able to find him. On Christmas Day, the guardie approached the boy's house. They entered the house to find the boy wearing a pair of earphones connected to a new electric piano he had received as a Christmas present. The boy removed the headphones and spoke to the guardie directly, saying, quote, This is about the stabbing of that girl in Dunleary. I haven't got the knife. I threw it in the ocean. That's the first thing he said to them. He oh didn't even gosh. deny it. There was no denial. His parents had no idea. He just said this. Excuse me. So the boy was placed under arrest. The guardie sees the boy's journal, which contained writing and various pictures he had drawn. Two specific entries were very concerning. A sketch of someone being cut up with a knife and a piece of text that read, serial killer might also be self-deprecator, might also be self-praiser. So he was writing all these like quotes about serial, about being a serial killer. So whilst in guard of custody, the boy tried to commit suicide two more times. This is fucking crazy. The boy was remanded in Overstown Child, Child Detention Campus, where he was there for two years from the this age of 15 and 17. There's a whole thing about this. In 2018, the boy pled guilty to the crime, uh, but with the court having difficulty finding qualified professionals to assess him. So basically, he pled guilty to the crime, but they didn't put him in jail. They kept him in Oberstown. He's minor anyway. But they were like, they, we don't have anybody to professionally assess this child. Why not? Because apparently don't have any fucking psychiatrists in Ireland. Like, this is a mess. So they had, they left him in Oberstown and they didn't give him... Um, 
like his jail sentence, how long he'd have gotten until they could get somebody in to properly assess him. Okay. Whilst in Oberstown, Harry Kennedy, the director of the Central Mental Health Hospital, finally just prescribed the boy a fucking antipsychotic. Finally, after he killed somebody. Tried to kill somebody. Tried to kill somebody, sorry. Did she get up in court? Who? The, the uh, lady, what's oh, her name? I'll tell you. Okay. According to the boy's mother, it had an incredibly positive effect on the boy. Quote, it just had an amazing impact. It was like flicking a switch. My son was back. He lost all the badness and the dark thoughts. There seems to be a different image of the boy portrayed by his mother as opposed to the one portrayed by the Central Criminal Court during hearings. Whilst in Oberstown, um, UK psychiatrist, so they brought in, they had to bring a psychiatrist in from the UK. Dr. Richard Church was flown in to speak to the boy. The boy told Dr. Church that he'd always planned to kill Stephanie. He said he had first got the idea when he was on a shopping trip with his father and realised, quote, anyone could buy a knife. He told Church that he downloaded the Whispers app in order to reject someone like I have been rejected. He said Stephanie was chosen at random. He said, I just wanted to attack somebody or a squirrel, but no squirrel came. Uh, He told the doctor that when he met Stephanie, he shut down his emotions and the performer kicked in. The boy's mother told the doctor the performer was a persona in her son's head. The boy, um, so basically he would like shut himself down and this other person would come forward. And that's how he described it to his mother. The boy thought attacking Stephanie would quell the thoughts of violence and horror he was experiencing daily. He told Dr. Church he felt like there was new blood in his veins. The boy also told Doctor's Church he spent a lot of time watching extreme porn and masturbating, but his mother stated that she did not believe her son was watching extreme porn. And according to Church, he showed low levels of empathy, stating when he first heard Stephanie had survived the attack, um, he realised there would be more evidence to get against him, so he was really angry that she'd lived. Okay. Um. So, although Dr. Church did extensive work, sorry, with the boy, he still doesn't have an exact, they still didn't give him an exact diagnosis. Dr. Church did state, however, that he felt the boy would continue to be a danger to himself and others, even at the young age of 15. So getting on to the trial. So during the boy's trial, both sides of the boy's issues were thoroughly discussed. The boy's parents believe the reason their son became violent and attacked Stephanie was the overprescription of Prozac. This was now, this was not a new theory, sorry, as during the trial of a 22-year-old man who stopped, stabbed his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend to death before committing suicide, the man's parents stated they believed he behaved this way due to antidepressants. So they were like, this was like a very famous case mm. where they were like, the reason he did that is because of antidepressants. One psychiatrist, now one psychiatrist in, in Cardiff backed this state, state, um, this state is saying he believed this could be the case. So he was like, oh yeah, totally. Antidepressants can make you go crazy and kill somebody. Um, However, uh, what was her name? Dr. P- Professor Patricia Casey and Professor Ted Dinan uh, refuted this stating at the time that they said with 100% that could, that could say there is no way antidepressants make people want to kill other people. Like, it's not a thing. So because one psychiatrist said it in Cardiff, now everybody was like, oh yeah, that's the reason my son oh. murdered somebody because antidepressants. Um, the boy's parents presented a case of a scared, sick, vulnerable boy made worse by Prozac, but they would not pre- present medical evidence to support this. So they were like, oh, it's the Prozac. And the, the criminal court was like, well, where's your evidence? And they just wouldn't present it. Because they, they don't have any. Because they don't have it. But they just wanted people to believe, like, oh, listen, it's their kid. I get where their frustration is coming from, you know? Um, in court, the boy sat quietly beside his mother and father. Stephanie Ng gave her victim statement. What an amazing... Yeah, she's incredible. Like, I don't know how she did it. 
The statement was both harrowing and, indic- and indicative of the type of cruel, vitriolic act the boy did. She told the court the boy had, quote, destroyed her life. Stephanie spoke through, t- through tears and oftentimes stopped as if she seemed she could not continue to speak. Her statement went as follows. When they told me your age, my head spiralled in confusion, trying to understand how someone your age can have such evil intentions. The scars you inflicted on my neck and hands will forever be a reminder of your demonic actions. You tried a number of times that day to lure me to isolated locations in order to fulfil your urges. Your persistence down at the water's edge showed how determined you were to have me dead. Stephanie stated she suffered flashbacks, that she finds it increasingly difficult to go outside and be around anybody who isn't her immediate friends or family. She ended her statement saying, I am lucky to be alive and and that I am grateful for. Three judges had the difficult task of viewing this case, case two sides. The first being a vicious attack attack on a young woman by a 15-year-old who knew the difference between right and wrong, but did not care. And the story of a young man who was so mentally ill and terrified and vulnerable that he felt the only way to stop the voice in his head was to commit this act. A boy left behind by the mental health facilities in this country. Ultimately, the three judges in this case decided the boy must be jailed for his acts and passed down a sentence of 11 years. The boy will be moved from Oberstown at the age of 18 to Wheatfield Prison to serve his time. Yeah. The boy's mother stated that psychiatrists have told her that they do not believe he is suitable for an adult prison. Dr. Church, who stated that the boy could potentially develop a psychotic personality disorder, said he would be more suited to a secure mental health facility as opposed to a prison. Connor Gallagher questioned the boy's mother, asking if the boy was so mentally ill, why didn't they enter a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity? The boy's mother said... Because with not guilty by reason of insanity, you go straight to Dundrum and you don't have a release date. So there's people in there. That's the same reason, like the story we spoke about last week. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was like, we're just going to enter a plea of, like... Not guilty. Not guilty, because otherwise he could be in Dundrum for the rest of his life. Whereas if we enter a plea of... He should be in Dundrum. Yeah. uh, uh, Her thought was, if if he goes to prison, he'll get out eventually. So he only got... She knew he wasn't going to be in prison for the rest of his life. The way the Irish system works. But and he's a as, minor. So. As a mother. And I know it's very easy for someone to be like, well, this is what I would do. Yeah. He's only going to get worse in yeah. prison. He isn't getting any help. He yeah. can't get any treatment there. He's not like... He he's going to, to a facility yeah. that's going to be surrounded by people who don't understand what he's suffering with. No. Um, he'll get his medication. Because you get your you med- get medication. you get whatever you're yeah, supposed yeah, yeah. to get. But he's in fucking ab- but he'll, adult prison. He'll be in an adult prison. He, w- he actually should be there now. No. <laughs> in July of this year, so just like last month, the boy's father and mother apologized to Stephanie Ng, saying there was no excuse for the terrible actions carried out by their son that day. The DPB had been assessing cases which involved minors and hoping to extend sentences they believed had been unduly unjun- lenient. The boy's case was one of these. So they were going through cases of minors who committed really mm. horrific acts who were only given like four or five years and going, that was unduly lenient. We're going to have to do something about this. They're, they're dangerous. The boy who is now 17 is still in Oberstown House with his original 11 year sen- sentence slated to begin when he reaches 18. So when he hits 18, they're going to move him from Oberstown to Weefield and then he begins his 11 year sentence. The boy's father gave an impassioned statement to the judges stating his son was sick and did not know what he was doing. However, prosecutors argued that uh, da, 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 oh, yeah. however, prosecutors argued the enti- that the entire act that he had done was premeditated and very well planned. The judges returned their verdict on July 29th. They added an extra two years to the boy's sentence before his ret- detention is reviewed. So he got 
13, 13 years. years instead of 11. Throughout this, I think it might be easy to focus on the boy and his parents and what they've been through. But Stephanie is a victim here and someone whose life is irrevocably damaged. The entire case is tragic on both sides and maybe a testament to the lack of mental health help for people who so desperately need it in this country. So it's horrific. And that poor girl, I can't begin to imagine how do you continue to live a normal life after something like that happens to you? Like, how do you... Like, and she's only young. She's 25 she's years 25 so she's 27 she's now. She's never... Like, you'd never trust anybody. No. Again. And, like, the article with Conor Gallagher, it's great because he speaks directly to the boy's mother and you can hear that she doesn't want to hear anything bad about her son. Even after these things that he's done and after all the damage and the hate that he's caused because in her head she's like he can't help this there's something wrong with him he's sick so it's very difficult for her to kind of go she knows what he did and she's said sorry to Stephanie and she said she's the most amazing person and so gracious and so wonderful she can't begin to imagine what she's gone through and she's sorry for what her son did but she's like my son is sick and he didn't get help and he Sarah he didn't get help they threw Prozac at a fucking 15 year No, and he didn't get help. He got no help. Um, like she went to four separate medical health, mental health facilities in this country and they all turned her away. Yeah, which is nor- normal. And essentially. No, 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 it's wrong. You have to have committed, you have to have attempted to commit suicide and at the point of you attempting to commit suicide. But he, tw- he-, he tried twice before she went to mental health facilities. He tried at 11 and he tried at 15 and he was still turned away. So what happened when he committed suicide? Did he not go to hospital? He went to attempted the, suicide. He, first time he was when he was eleven, he went to the hospital and they just kinda of let him out. But the one second time when he was fifteen, he went to see a psychiatrist and they prescribed Prozac. And then she this my... woman went to like mental health facilities and were like, And are they taking a case against They didn't say. Like my son is drawing pictures of himself cutting up people. He's telling me that if he doesn't he's going to kill himself because if he doesn't he's, he's going, going to, to kill, kill somebody, somebody else. else. Like he's completely she was like he's she was like he said the way she described it was like he was in the horrors 24 7 just in the horrors and then there's another another part i didn't put in this but she talks about how he had never been like violent or cruel or he'd never really done anything other other than towards himself but when he was started secondary school he got into a fight in secondary school and after he got into a fight she brought him to the doctor and he told the doctor that he felt so powerful and so strong and she was like that was worrying because all of a sudden then he was equating violence to this like surge of, of like I, I have control and I'm but in- that's because he's on Prozac yeah. that's because he's numb like, he's numb and it is an inhibitor and he's on yeah he's it on Prozac to a point where one it's higher than the dosage you should one be on one and a half times the adult dosage um, so he's just completely numb yeah. so any feeling is anything that's going to give him a feeling yeah. is but like, something that he's not like imagine having like what age is your daughter Five. Imagine six year t- your years six years time your daughter turn around, turns around and t- says to you, "If I don't kill myself, I'm going to kill somebody." Yeah. How do you deal? With, like I'm not a parent. I don't have kids, so I'm not taken away from what happened to Stephanie Ng because what happened to her was horrific, and he should be serving time for for what he did. Probably in a mental health facility, not in a jail. You know, I think he should be in a mental health facility. Yeah, I, th- I do. I I feel I feel pain. Like I'm a mum. Yeah. And I feel her helplessness yeah. as a mother. And I've been in a situation with, not Lily, thank God, but with other people where getting them help for their mental health is not, fe- it's not possible. It's borderline impossible. Um, in this country. 
but she made the wrong decision not going for insanity. Yeah. he would go to a hospital. Like, the one thing, like, Dundrum, the central mental hospital in Dundrum, and there's a central mental hospital in Donabate. It's the one in Dundrum that he'd be going to. He would go to there. They're qualified to... But she's thinking, like... That he's never going to get out. Yeah, and she's thinking like a mother because I I don't have kids, but I watch mothers and I see what they do and their children. Like her thinking of it is, I would rather my son go to jail or something like jail for 11 years and get out and have a life and I'll see him and he'll get out and he'll maybe be able to do things than him being in a mental institution and he'll never be able to do anything. Like she was talking about him leaving and going to get his college degree and stuff. Like but the he woman, won't be sick. He's sick. Like the woman is, I think she, she knows he's sick, but she's refusing to see the level of sick that he is. Yeah. But he tried to kill someone. Yeah. And not kill someone, like not only kill someone, slit her throat. And tried to cut her head, head off. off. And then carved his initials into her hands. Yeah. Like, and then told, basically told the doctor, I knew, I thought it was either her or a squirrel. Like, there's just when I was reading it. I felt for the mother like my heart went out to her it did and, and because you're a human and you're like that's your fucking kid yeah no and I, I feel the same like I, I'm Healthy. not sitting here being like she's a no like, no 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 not at all um, no I don't think you are Jesus but no. I I do genuinely think I hope I would make the decision to put my child in an institution in an institution yeah, and be yeah. like they're criminally insane. They're going to get you the help that you need. You're going to have doctors. Yeah, You're going to have people that, that look would... after you. And then if I, like, if I'm, I also hope that if, and I know it's easy for me to say again, because I'm not banging my head against a brick wall and I'm not going through the same things she is. But I know that Prozac is the wrong thing to give somebody yeah, who's But she like, said it to the doctors. She was like, I don't, I don't think he should be on this amount of Prozac that he's, he's on. And the doctors were like, well, it's this or nothing. But what, why wouldn't... This is what I mean. It's a mental health crisis in this country. Like, it's all well and good that they'll put up, like, ads for the Samaritans and ads for this and ads for aware and talk to someone, call someone. Mm. And then this woman is watching her son, like, basically become a serial killer in front yeah. of her fucking eyes. And nobody will help her until he tries to kill someone and then they put him in an antipsychotic. And not even immediately. No. Like a year later, a year later to go through like all this. And I had to get someone from England to come over. Like that's what made me. I was like, we don't have, we don't have anybody in this country. Not one psychiatrist, not one professor, not one clinical psychologist to assess this child in the entire country. What are they? What? Like they had to call in someone from England to fucking do it. And even that doctor, Doctor Church, was like, "This chap, this boy needs to be in." like a mental health facility he is sick and he said he could potentially get a lot worse he is going to get a lot of course he is yeah like you're going into a prison with criminals literally like drug dealers murderers like it's just it makes me upset though because just when she was talking about the amount of people that she went to to be like please help my son and they just didn't could you imagine going to Cherry Orchard and then just being told to go away no beds we've no beds bye like that's the equivalent of going to A&E with a child who has it's carotid artery. Yeah, and they're like, we've no beds by. And they're like, we can't help you. Yeah. And like, the other side of that is, you know, I'm not sitting here talking shit about the people that work in these mental health facilities. That's not what I'm doing. What I am talking shit about is the fact that the government is unable to do anything to help these these organisations yeah. and these hospitals. Like, do more or we're going to have more of this shit happening. Like, Sorry, I'm here looking. Um, digging for gold. But um, I just thought it was incredibly sad. 
on both sides. Like, I just hope Stephanie's okay and I hope she's doing all right. And she's the most, she's this tiny little thing. Like, he would have been able to overpower her so easily. You know what I mean? And he must have looked older. Do you know what I mean? Because I think I could tell the difference between a 15-year-old and a 19-year-old. Oh, no. Do you don't think so? Not anymore, no. Um, all the lads all look. Yeah. They all have that haircut. They yeah. all dress a certain way. They all look uh, They all look the same. Like, it's just um, so... And the other thing that made my life... Because, you know, the first time I heard about the stories when I was in your I house... I told you You were sitting in your, on your, in your... And you were reading your phone and you were like, did you fucking see this? Um, But, like, he was just Christmas Day just sitting there playing it his music. It was Christmas when I told you. Sitting there playing his music on his piano. Yeah. Not a bother on him. Like and a little Hannibal lecture. And the guards walked in and he's like, oh yeah, no, that's about that stabbing that girl in Daenery. I, I threw the knife in the water. Like, his part, could you imagine the pair, like, on Christmas Day? Yeah. Imagine. Christmas fucking day. And the guard, and it was like a fucking SWAT team because they didn't know what they were dealing with. Yeah. So they were like, we're not going to knock on the door because we might be afraid he might do something to his parents. So they burst into the house. A fucking SWAT team. And like, they live in Dunleary. They live in there really like, and that's, they live in Dunleary and also the Oberstown house, that place, Oberstown facility is apparently, he is like so different than the other people in there because it's a place for people that come from very, very bad backgrounds and, you know, really bad socio socioeconomic backgrounds. And he's like really wealthy, very, very wealthy. And she's visits him like every day and he does all the art in the in the building like she was like there's a massive mural on the wall that he painted and his art is everywhere and she was like really proud like this is my art this is art so it's like oh she loves her son so much like she adores him she wants him to be okay hitler uh hitler's hitler mom, drew pictures hitler's mom loved him he loved johnson pictures but i don't just... i don't know i don't know if i feel the same sentiment towards the family that you do it's not and even, maybe it's because I didn't read the article and maybe it's no, because it's, you're it's not even, and you're a shit storyteller I'm a great storyteller <laughs> that was cohesive that didn't was have many dates but you know what we tried um, um, but like I just think I just don't feel the same level of like I just have empathy for his mother and I think the reason I have empathy for his mother is this story would have been a lot different if it was she didn't give a fuck and she didn't even try. She didn't care. She was like, oh, he's drawing pictures of stabbing someone, but I didn't take it seriously. She took every single thing he did seriously and okay. she tried so hard to get him okay. help. And nobody, nobody helped them. So that, because of that, because nobody in the system would help them, this happened to this poor girl. Yeah. And it's a, it's cause and effect. It's a direct reason as to why this happened. If they had gotten that boy the help that he had needed, there is a 99% chance he would have not done what he did, did to Stephanie yeah. like, And that's where my, I think my empathy comes more from that. No, and I think I... Like, if she didn't give a fuck, I would have been like, you know what, you're a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Your son's a crazy person. Yeah. And he's psychotic and he did all these things. But like... I get you. I get she you. She tried. You and know? she did try. I get you. I just, I'm, I can't get over the... I'm struggling to get over the, well, he'll get out. But he'll yeah. get out and he'll just be the he'll same. He'll get out and he'll probably just be the exact same. And like... Yeah. I I don't I know like my parent my mother says that I'm quite harsh in relation to my parenting that I can be quite I I can be quite I don't think you are at all dude I I'm not soft touch I'm not harsh in terms of like dealing with Lily but I can be harsh in terms of like my decision if like that's wrong or if that's right oh okay okay whereas like my mum would struggle with that yeah my mum would like quite often make the decision to like 
forgive someone and allow it to go back to the way it was and then the same thing happens six months later yeah. and you're back whereas yep. I'm very much like no I've given I'll give you I'll give you this chance and then if you fuck here's up, what I'll expect of you yeah. I lay out all my terms yeah. and then if you can't live up to that well then the decision is that I've given you a chance yeah um, and I get that but so I think I'm kind of struggling I'm just struggling with the, but the and I get that and I understand where you're coming from with that but then take that right and put that Lily commit tried to commit suicide when she was eleven, and nobody will help you. Six, six. Isn't but that if, when he said, "Yeah, like if you were eleven years old and your daughter tries to commit suicide, and you go to a hospital, and the hospital is like, sorry, we don't sorry, have any beds." And then you go to Christ. another you facility. You go to another facility, and they're like, "No, it can't happen." And then you go and to another we facility. Him, we're going to give him Prozac, and we're going to give him Prozac, and we're going to give him one and a half times. Like that's I'm on ten ten mg's a day of an antidepressant, and it doesn't interfere with my life that greatly. It just levels me out. One and a half times the adult dose of Prozac is what they were giving him because they did not want to deal with it. They thought that that was just an easy, easy fix. Easy fix. Up his Prozac. Up his Prozac. Up his Prozac until he's a fucking zombie. He's a zombie. That's what they were trying to do because they just didn't want to deal with what was they happening. They didn't know how to deal with it. Like, I just bothered think figuring out. questions need to be asked about how this... Yeah, no, if I was her 100% yeah, like, at this point, I'd be like, terrifying. right, when he's in, he's in prison, Yeah, he's getting his medication, Yeah, I can't... I can only do what I'm doing there but my next step would be to go to like yeah. a sister and be like they failed him yeah. and then I'd be campaigning for better mental yeah. health facility. and also because I wonder the, would Stephanie Ng have a case against the state with regards yeah the lack of care for a dangerous person who has admitted they want to kill somebody like he wasn't going oh I don't want to kill anybody though he was like if I don't die I'm going to kill someone like that's what he was telling his mother if I don't take this amount of pills and try and kill myself at 15 years of age I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy in life and doesn't I'm going to that show a little bit of compassion it does and this is what they were saying they said initially doesn't that show a like, that's thing what of he was like, saying I know this is wrong and I don't want to do it and I have it. this impulsion and, that's and I problem. don't want to do it yeah, he was and like, you guys aren't helping me and this medication isn't helping me and so and I'm just going to take me out of the yeah, equation I'm going to remove myself so I don't do this terrible thing and that's what Dr. Church was saying he was saying he showed a lack of um empathy after he had done it he was like I was more upset that she was alive because I there would be evidence against me and then after that obviously when they said to him like he said he never said he regretted it but he said that he felt very bad for her for what had happened to her he just felt very bad for it bad for her for Stephanie like and they were saying his mother was like his mother is such a ma she was like oh when they read out the verdict he cried but it was a quiet cry and no one saw it he like there was little cry. things where she was saying and I was like love come on I know Does he yawn me. when you yawn? Yeah. No because he is a sociopath. <laughs> the other day I was thinking about that yawning thing and then I was like listening to our podcast and I yawned on the podcast and then I yawned and I was like okay we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're okay. I'm yawning when people are when yeah, so that's, I don't know people this common if you're in a room with someone and you're concerned about their tendency being a, some being a sociopath if you yawn and they their don't yawn. empathy area of their brain, brain goes should kick in and they should automatically yawn back if not immediate a little bit later but if they don't they're a sociopath that's a that's a telltale sign of that's our doctor Emma and Dr. Sarah's diagnosis if you're significant other just yawn in front of your partner right now whenever Graham yawns I try my best not to yawn I don't love you that's not true um but yeah. uh, anyway, you did a really good job. Thank you. It's very and that was sad. a really hard story to and tell. It sucks, and I just hope that poor girl is okay, and I hope she's, I hope she will be okay. But I just like, oh fuck, man, there was pictures of her coming out of the, the court, and she's so tiny. 
she's just this little slight teeny tiny little thing and it's like fuck me imagine waking up on the pier and a fucking Dunleary yeah covered in your own blood and being imagine like eh, what part, happened Tank um, how amazing is a person that helped her I know he like immediately like tried to stop the bleeding but she was like what are you doing because he put she his hand in her neck know. and she was like but she couldn't talk she didn't understand why she couldn't talk and it's because he cut her voice box that's so deep yes horrific like they said it was like 75% of the muscle on her neck oh god yeah and he said this. I didn't put this thing because I thought it was graphic but anyway I'll say it he said when they asked somebody did he was like oh it was like I was sawing I tried to saw her neck off or saw her head off and like they said when they brought him to the guard station that he just was like oh what's this and what's that like asking them questions about things in the guard station but just being completely aloof and like and they said he laughed once inappropriately and then just didn't talk for the rest of the time that he was there He's so sick. Like, that child is fucking so... And it's... There's no... Like, this is the other thing when people talk about serial killers where they're like... You say they're 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 psychotic. They're crazy. And it's like, that's the way their brain is. But it also does not excuse that behaviour. You can't be like, oh, well, they were crazy. It's okay that uh, he took cut his mother's head off and fucked her neck. Yeah. Do you know um, what I mean? You can't... It doesn't excuse the behaviour. It doesn't help a victim. That was Kemper, right? Yeah. It doesn't help a victim to be like oh well he's mad that doesn't help a victim yeah and I do, I, so I don't want this to come across that I'm like oh what he did is totally okay because he was sick that's not what I'm saying at all no I think the point the is slightest. that you've got across is that he and his family tried their very well his family tried their very best to get him help and stop him from fulfilling this what he prophecy explicitly said he was going to do what he explicitly said he was going to do and struggled and struggled and struggled and got no help from anybody in the state yeah um and he was put on the incorrect medication yeah that does not negate from the fact of what he did exactly. because what he did he was aware of it 100% he chose to do it yeah. he specifically said I, I like he went to the little and bought a knife yeah um and I have so many things I could say about the little knife but I won't um <laughs> Do you not? Do you not know they sold knives in Little? I've bought a knife in Little before. I. You know the big bins. Yeah, yeah. There's knives but it, in there. You have to give, like, Little should be questioned because when you fifteen year olds buying a knife, you have to give ID. Because in Tesco, don't you have to give ID? In all shops, it flags up on I re- the till. I remember in Tesco, it, fla- uh, it would it would have flagged up on yeah, the till that he because was... there was loads of stabbings in the UK. So Tesco brought in a thing where they were like, you can't buy a knife unless you're it did, over eighteen. It has always been the case in the Republic of Ireland. Oh, really? Yeah, when I worked in B and Q uh, in college, um, we could not sell tools or anything that could be used to minors. So a minor couldn't come in and buy like a saw. So if so you came in like an and you looked of a certain age and it's, it would flag up on the tail that you needed to give ID. Like what are you doing with saw? Sawing things. Yeah. <laughs> the same like in other things would flag like if, if if the tail wouldn't flag up you'd flag if they were buying rope. Oh I suppose yeah. So you'd be like why are you... Rope. Tape. Yeah. No, it was more concerned for their welfare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, more yeah, for yeah. suicide that you'd be concerned. Um, Everything is awful. We need to stop reading awful stories. Yeah, you're having bad dreams, right? I'm having really bad dreams. Tell me about them. I had a dream. Let me psychoanalyze you and no, my qualifications. Gross dreams. I just had a dream the other night that I was in my old house, where I lived in Longford, not my mum's house, but my grandmother's house. But it was 
absolutely huge. And I was walking in and out of rooms and every room I walked in, someone was knocking on the door. <gasps> but in my heart, in my head, I was like, don't answer the door. Do not answer the door. I don't want to walk home And I kept now. like walking closer to the door and then I'd be like, don't answer the door. There's somebody behind it. Don't answer the door. Could but you then, see anything? No, but then I'd move to another room and then I'd get into that room and then the knocking would start again. And I was like, don't answer the door. Don't answer the door. Like it just, and it went on for ages. Like my grandmother's house was tiny, but in the dream it was fucking immense. Like a labyrinth. And I was walking to certain doors and I'd just stand and then I'd be like, ding, 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 ding. And I'd be like, don't answer the door. Don't Did you Google what that meant? Nope. Because I don't want to know. It's perfectly fine. I do not want to know. Isn't anything. that the thing with the banshee? Don't you hear it knocking? You hear crying. No, but don't you hear the knocking first? I don't know. Is it the banshee coming to get me? I'm nearly sure. That, don't you hear... Give me my phone. Google it. The, the um, and then I had a dream. And then you hear, like, the next step is that yeah. you hear... And then I had a dream uh, another night, a while ago, that I was in... There's this little lake that we used to go swimming in when we were kids. And I was in the lake. And there was a man in the lake. And I was wearing a pair of trousers. And he kept putting stones on my pocket. And what is going water. on? I don't know. These are the dreams I was having. I was saying to Flavio the other day, I was like, I'm having the most fucked up dreams. And he was like, that's because you're reading murder stories, Emma. And I was like, probably. Well, we've always read murder stories. I know, stories. but I think it's because we're doing this every week now and we're telling each other the murder stories. But yeah, the one in the house was fucking terrifying. I woke up in such a sweat. I mean, that's, a ter- that's yeah. terrifying. I know if I rang my mother, she'd be like, oh, that's, one of your aunties could knock on the door. Oh yeah, my mum would like, be like, Fuck off, Kathleen. That's your grandmother yeah. telling you that she's dear. My mother always says, Dream of the living is news of the dead, and dream of the dead is news of the living. My mum talks about this dream that she has whenever bad news is going to happen. And essentially in the dream her mother comes to her and gives oh, her a crucifix. No, but her mum won't talk to her. And her mum then gets into some form of vehicle and drives off. And she says that she feels very much like she's trying to tell her something. And she always is like, and then three weeks later. Uh, so and so up the road that I knew for 15 minutes died. No, it's never even like died. It's like so and so up the road that I knew for 15 minutes knocked on the door with a gun and said that I owe money. <laughs> like, it's never like as straightforward as so it's never such, like so I did it I, somebody in my house did something bad and now they're getting the effects of it no no it's the dream yeah like <laughs> um oh yeah no I'm having really really fucked up dreams. that stone but I'm, thing but I'm not sleeping well either so I think that might be affecting it yeah the stone thing is right. I was just standing in the water I couldn't see the man apparently the knocking is just your subconscious oh okay so apparently the knocking is let me in Emma no fuck off Perhaps your actions or words are having an impact on someone or something indirectly and your subconscious is essentially trying to tell you. Womp womp. Uh, womp, womp womp. Womp Foxy. I had a dream the other night that I was in my bed. Now I've been having weird dreams because I'm moving beds because I'm staying oh, in Belfast and, and then back, back home. at home. Um, and I was in my bed at home but Graham was in the bed next to me but it wasn't Graham and I knew it wasn't Graham. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like oh the worst and you know what here's where the dream gets really like fucked up I'm thinking about this <laughs> the dream gets really fucked up I was upset in the dream because they weren't sexually attracted to me because they're not cream <laughs> why doesn't he want to ride me yeah. and then I woke up in real life and was just really confused I was convinced I was in Belfast how are you sleeping in Belfast are you okay yeah, actually. Oh, good, Weirdly, good. Because you're, wa- you're bad in new places. You don't I like wasn't the first night. Like, they have these speakers in all of the rooms in the apartment. Like, it's like a... Sarah. Why would you say that? 
I won't sleep there I'm now. Gonna, when I come stay there, I'm just gonna. Because I showed the day I got there, I showed my dad. I was like, they have look, they have these um surround sound speakers built into the rooms, so and yeah. I was like, and there's like a control on the wall yeah, for yeah, them. Yeah. And he was like, amazing. And I was like, I haven't turned it on. And he was like, why? I was video calling. He was like, why? I was like, because I'm afraid that I'm going to hear the dead. Hundred percent. Why I would not turn them like, on as well. He was like, what? And I was like, I don't like that white noise. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I was would like, hear so I a dead person through this. Do not want to turn it on and hear the white noise. That is a very valid approach to those speakers mm. and it is exactly what and I would do. And then uh, the third night in I finished all of Shit's Creek and, and then I just kept seeing a flashing in the, in the speaker above my I was like I'm just going to turn the light on and actually I just changed rooms. So there's three rooms in the apartment <laughs> only me. Um, <laughs> well I'm glad you're sleeping. I am sleeping. I think it's because I'm so wrecked from work but that dream Emma that knocking dream terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Like I woke up and I just sat up in the bed and I just turned my light on and I just had to like take a breath. The stone one was awful but it wasn't as scary as the knocking one. Whatever and were you sinking in the stone one? I was in the water. Is oh, well, What's the name of that lock that we used to go to? So it was a lock in Longford. And we lock used to, shithole. Lock Ennel? Lock Ennel? Lock Ennel. Lock Ennel. Lock Ennel. Uh, we used to go there when we were kids. And uh, like it obviously didn't look exactly like it but I was just standing in the water and there was a man standing in front of me. I couldn't see his face. <gasps> And I was wearing like palazzo pants type things, obviously, because they were big. Of course I was. And he was just opening my pockets and putting stones in my pockets. And like, I don't know if I was thinking, but I remember just like moving my feet to be like, am I okay? Yeah. But we were in really deep because like the water was like to there. And were you scared in the dream? In the dream, no. When I woke up, I was like, what the fuck was that? The knocking one, however. I woke up and I was like, I'm getting out. And Colin actually said to me the next morning, he was like, what were you doing? I heard you get walking around. I was like, I didn't tell him, but I was like, fucking someone knocking in my dream and I couldn't go back to sleep. Like I got up and I went into the kitchen and I made a cup of tea. Like I was like my mother. Turning into my mother, I guess, at four o'clock in the morning makes tea in the kitchen because she's fucking anxious. But yeah, that was my dream. I'm sure there's like something happened or I'm... I'm reading the stones in the pocket. Yeah, stones in the pocket was weird, man. I was like, this motherfucker's trying to drown me. He's trying to kill me. You're not reading Virginia Woolf, were you? Yeah. Were you? Yeah. <laughs> were you? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Uh, <laughs> to put stones in one po- in one's pocket means one is going to commit suicide. Oh em- my God. I am reading Virginia Woolf. Employed by Virgi- Virginia Woolf where she put a large stone in her pocket and walked into the river to drown That's herself. That's exactly what I'm reading. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, then that dream makes sense. Yeah, the knocking one, I don't know. The knocking one, There's I don't know. There's something you're up to and your brain's yeah. been like, like bum, 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 Emma. bum, 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 Dreams are the worst. Stop stealing money or something. I don't know. Could be doing anything. Who would ever steal him money off? Me. You. I'll give you money if you want. Empty your bank account. Give me money if you want. No, I want the thrill of the theft. Mm. It's like, you know, those really rich middle-aged women who like don't are dead inside and have to go like stealing. Yeah. That's me now. I hope that's my life. Because I have eventually. a job. <laughs> I love to steal. Going to boots and steal stuff. I love to steal tampons and boots. I love I haven't had a period since 1975. (laughs) All right, that's the end of the episode. Yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Sorry for our nonsense. Oh, I liked our nonsense. I like our nonsense too. Hey, good joke. I'm going to tell you my little knife jokes uh, when we finish recording because they will... Post episode. They cannot go in. (laughs) Okay, we'll talk about it then. Everybody Um, stay and listen to Colin's... Amazing song. Amazing Neil Diamond impression. It's incredible. And next week... Episode might be weird next week because we're going to be possibly doing it through Zoom or one of those things. Yeah, I'm going to have to phone... 
in phone it video, in on video call um, you do phone it in every week anyway you should just call in sick to work and come to Belfast and we record up there no I'm a very good employee yeah yeah okay because <laughs> okay. it won't be next week it'll be the following, following week. week oh I could do that yeah but like what day will we record it though? how would we record fuck. it sure we don't have his shit well I'll just get this stuff I'll okay. just buy it I've okay. got loads of money now I've got yay job. I won't have any money for long because <laughs> this is the cycle of my life Listen. anybody that was listening to the previous podcast where I spoke about the psychic that told me that I'll always have money problems whenever I have money I just think about him yeah. what a cunt okay everybody bye, bye. bye. be a fat shot be a fat shot Oh, sorry, are you Sean Connery? <laughs>